Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you as always. And uh, we're just days away from the NBL Blitz. Finally, it's here. Uh, Pre-season games. We're going to see all the teams in action over the next couple of weeks. And um, I've got Kane Pittman on for a chat to kind of preview the Blitz. We're going to go through each of the teams um, he, you'll have listened to him probably on Locked On Bucks, maybe on Ball in the Real World, the ESPN podcast, and read his stuff on ESPN.com. Smart guy, knows the league, knows the players, and um, we're going to get stuck into the NBL Blitz. So sit back, relax. Up next, Kane Pittman. <laughs> Okay, Kane Pittman is here. We are recording this on, uh, what is it, Wednesday night, late on Wednesday night. So preseason action just a couple of days away with the Blitz about to tip off. Kane, what's going on? Not much. I'm pretty fired up, actually. We, you mentioned the Blitz we've got coming up here in a, in a couple of days as we're recording this, and I know we're going to get into that, but we've got media day the next couple of days as well, and it feels a little bit different this year. We're going to actually be a bit closer to the action. We'll get to talk to some of the players face-to-face, which feels like, for me anyway, it's been a long time since we've done that. So I'm excited. I'm fired up for things to get going. Uh, I mentioned off the top, uh, you work with with espn um ball in the real world or your written work on espn.com and i understand you're going to be pretty uh you're gonna be pretty busy tomorrow at media day um big big day ahead for you yeah it will be a big day uh, we've got five teams that are in town in melbourne tomorrow so we've got uh both melbourne teams sydney are down there as well new zealand and the Hawks. So some of the, you know, depending on how you feel, how the league's going to go, I think some of the teams that are going to be up the up the pointy end and some of the big names are all hanging out in Melbourne. And then, uh, as we mentioned, we'll have the Blitz in a couple of days. But yeah, it's my first, it's actually my first NBL media day, Liam. So uh, I've, I've done some other media days before and, you know, it's they could be interesting days. You can get some pretty fun stuff coming out of that. So uh, I'm excited to see what we can we can get out of these guys. They can be interesting days. They can be long days. Long <laughs> days as 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 with only I guess half the league going through tomorrow. It should shouldn't be too bad. Um, yeah, you mentioned the blitz uh, coming up in a couple of days, and I guess that's where we're that's where we're going to start and 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 finish today. I mean, it's been what four months, four and a half months or so since since Melbourne hoisted that championship trophy, and. Um, you know, we had the Olympics and we've had the NBA in the, in recent weeks, but um, been hanging out for some NBL action out on the floor and uh, we're about to get it. Yeah, we are. It's going to be good. And uh, I don't know which direction you want to take with these teams, but uh, we were kind of having a bit of a discussion before we got rolling here about um, certain teams, certain players, how we think it's all going to play out. Uh, I, certainly, obviously here in Melbourne, I'll be able to get to a, to a couple of games and, it's always good when you get an early Melbourne United Sydney Kings game, even if it is preseason action. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. I'm sure you'll be you'll be hanging around as well. But I don't know. Where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with this? Well, well, let let's. I, I think we need to go through these teams. We need to look. Let's look at each team, uh, and right throughout the league. And essentially, let's let's just kind of look at what we're. Um, We've got our eye on what you're interested to see. I love the Blitz, have loved calling the Blitz for the last bunch of years because you can, 
you know, you can get an early sense on on players, on teams, and new guys to the league, guys that have changed teams and got into new situations. Um, you know, new coaches, uh, try, you know, getting a chance to put into action what they've been working out on on the practice floor. And and I I also feel like you can get if you watch the blitz closely, you get like a firm foundation on. The, the journey and the story for each team as they progress through the year. Um, now coaches will do some different things. There'll be a guys playing minutes and playing big roles that won't usually, they won't be taking any risks with any guys that are uh, maybe a little underdone, still working their way up to hundred percent health. But I, for those reasons, I love, I love watching the blitz. So let's, let's start with Adelaide um, who have, undergone a whole bunch of change they had the huge drama midway through the off season with with connor henry given his marching orders and cj bruton brought in as the brand new head coach some really interesting new additions um i'm i'm gonna start by saying i'm interested to see what state isaac humphries is in um had the foot injury last season has still been recovering and rehabilitating that over the course of the off season understanding he's going to be at their games. He may or may not play, but he was unbelievable at the beginning of last season. And I think a lot of it was came on the back of the fact that he was in outstanding condition. You know, he was fit and strong. And uh, I think I'm interested to whether with his kind of disrupted looking and feeling that same way and, and what kind of impact that'll have for the 36ers over the course of the season. The 36ers are an interesting team to me because last year, if you just look at the the pure results at the end of the season, you say, okay, yeah, this was, this was a middle-of-the-pack team. But not only did they have the long-term injury to Humphreys, obviously Daniel Johnson missed some time as well. And when those two guys were playing together, there's, there's clearly a case that that was the best combination of big men in the league, but they weren't able to stay on the floor. Then you obviously had Josh Giddy, what he brought to the team. His season came to an end early. So it's kind of, it was kind of an incomplete. You couldn't really take anything away from that season last year, but the fact that they keep Johnson, they keep Humphreys, and now they add Mitch McCarron to me, who, you know, you, you look at what Giddy did last year, and then you look at the role that Mitch McCarron played in that United team, one of the most unselfish players in the league, clearly could have scored more, clearly could have gotten more shots, clearly could have had the ball in his hand a lot more than he did. I'm fascinated to see how he works in with those two big guys as well, because I don't know, maybe it's because it's Adelaide, maybe it's because, for, you know, outside expectations maybe have them outside the playoffs in the preseason. But I don't know if there's enough talk about Mitch McCarron. No, it's a great point. All NBL second team. Um, and he, he reveled in that starting point guard role, didn't he? And, there, you know, you could imagine CJ Bruton and the, the kind of mentorship that he's going to provide. He's going to give him the ball, let him play. And, and there have been times, and there were times last season when he was really starting to have some fun out there you know melbourne would get on a bit of a roll chris scotting would knock down a couple of shots jock would be up and about and all of a sudden mitch would be playing with a kind of freedom that <laughs> i think you're right he might be able to kind of explore even more with the 36ers this season we might get an early taste of that in the blitz um the other one for me of course is kai soto 
you know, if Humphreys isn't playing or isn't playing many minutes in the blitz, we're going to see a whole bunch of Kai Soto. So um, an early chance for him to kind of make a bit of an impression um, and to try to uh, kind of um, show CJ and show his teammates and everybody that, you know, if, if he's, if there's a role there for him to play on the game night rotation for them, that, that he can do it. You know, I think that opportunity will be there for him in the blitz and we'll be interested to see whether he can take it. Yeah. So just to your point on McCarran with playing with some freedom, I reckon there was once per United game last year where he would make a single pass that I thought to myself, that might be the pass of the round. That might be the best pass <laughs> I've seen, whether it's a, it's a no look, whether it's behind the back or whatever it is. So yeah, we'll see what he brings. Soto it will be interesting again if, if he plays. And, and the other player, and this is this will be for the Blitz, but obviously it'll be a talking point moving through the season, is obviously Mojave King. I was just reading uh, Sam Vecini over at The Athletic. He's big board a couple of hours before we started recording this. And he had... Uh, Mojave King at 62. So obviously, I mean, it's only a big board. It's not a, it's not a mock draft, but you know, you have 60 picks in an NBA draft. So there's no doubt last year, the the expectations were probably pretty high. It didn't work out in Cairns. Cairns had a disappointing season. Now he gets a, a change of scenery. So it's a massive year for him. It's a massive year. He has to try and crack into this rotation on an Adelaide team that again, maybe the expectation is that they're, they're outside the, the playoffs, but I don't think that they'll be thinking that. I think they're going to be competitive. So can he crack this rotation and 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 try and and, and boost that stock heading towards for him? Hopefully, hopefully the NBA draft. So we didn't get to see a lot of him last year. It was almost like just as a basketball fan, it was almost frustrating that the Cairns team was struggling and he couldn't get on the floor in some of those games. And you wondered why. You're like, can we get this guy on the floor? Can we see him play? So I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about him second year in the league, second year uh, as a pro. And, and hopefully for him, he can secure a spot in the rotation as well. For sure. For sure. It's the little things. It's the little things for Mojave King that, that I think frustrated Mike Kelly and kind yeah. of kept him off the floor at times last season. You know, Mike, they were, they were underperforming. They had injuries and they were struggling to get wins. And I think he wanted to play Mojave King, but, um, he was finding it difficult when guys were blowing by him on the yeah. perimeter. Um, he was missing block outs, you know, for defensive rebounds and little things like that. The talent's quite obviously there, um, especially there at the offensive end. And when he's really locked in defensively, he's got those tools to be an impactful guy at that end of the floor. I'm hoping that has been a great learning experience for him. And he kind of, is way more locked in on to those kinds of things in Adelaide. Um, the other thing, of course, is is new imports, right? New imports, Blitz is a chance to get a good look at them. Dusty Hannes, Todd Withers. Uh, if Adelaide are going to be a playoff team this year, if they're going to be good, those guys are going to need to be good. And we'll get a first look at them over the next week or so. Yeah, it's always interesting with the imports. I mean, we see it every year. There's there's, there's the couple that, that hit the ground running and there's other guys that are going to take five to six games to get going, whether it's playing uh, in the NBL. It might be different rules to, to what they've played previously, uh, different environments. Obviously, NBL can be pretty physical. So, But you're right. If you think if you think with Adelaide, you have the two guys that you know or three guys that you know what you're going to get get from with the, the guys we mentioned, Humphreys, uh, Johnson and McCarran, then you add if one of those imports has an impact and all of a sudden you've got four guys that you can rely on on a consistent basis if they stay healthy, then maybe the projections for Adelaide go up a little. Brisbane. 
I'm looking forward to watching Lamar Patterson. That's <laughs> that's my focus with the bullets coming in. Um, the, all signs are pointing towards him being in really good shape. Uh, coming into uh, this season, he spent the offseason in Brisbane, as we know, played a little bit of NBL one. Um, and you look at the images coming out of Brisbane. I've speak, been speaking with the head coach a little bit and they're excited with kind of where he's at. And, you know, he's just such an enormous difference maker. I mean, Sobey's going to be at an all NBL level. I think we 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 know that. I think Robert Franks has the potential to be the maybe the one of the best new imports in the league this season with with his versatility and what what he's going to bring. But Lamar for me is the the piece that makes the bullets a real wild card. So um, pumped to see him out on the floor and have a good look at what he looks like. <laughs> well. If, if they don't have to spend, you know, the, the first 10 games, 15 games of the season, um, running him into shape, getting him, him feeling good about being back on the floor and, and health and fitness, then obviously it's going to be a boost because uh, you mentioned Franks. It's interesting that, that you're pretty high on him. I had him noted down uh, just as, as a guy that's going to play alongside Patterson because obviously you're right. We know what you're going to get from Sobey last year watching, watching Brisbane there were so many games where it's just like, okay, well, I don't think Brisbane would be anywhere near this team, but Sobey's just scored 15 points in the first half. Or Sobey's had 28 points. He's he's six for eight from three, six for nine from three. And it and it, it was every second game or, or every game that you were seeing that. And he was the reason why they stayed in. Obviously, you saw Patterson come there later on in the season. And again, he was probably working through some stuff and then had to try and acclimatize late in the season. And they were actually pretty competitive. I mean, they were a competitive team under Lamanus, but if he hits the ground running from the start, uh, uh, that will be obviously big for them. Isaiah Moss is the other one. I mean, if, I don't, I don't know how much you know about him, but if he's going to play uh, alongside Nathan Sobey, I mean, I, I do think this was one thing that, that obviously they, they struggled with last year. They didn't really have another guy that can create off the dribble score a little bit. It was Sobey or, or the big guys. I, f- I feel like the, this is an area where they, they clearly needed to find someone whether he's that guy, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll get a look. Well, I mean, LP's going to be that guy. He'll right? be the second I mean, scorer, but from the guard position. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he'll be interesting. You know, can certainly shoot the ball. They've been impressed with his ability to come in and 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 shoot it um, in their practice sessions. But I have heard that he's tweaked a little hamstring. Okay. So we might not see a lot of him in the blitz so they're hoping he'll play in maybe their, their last one or two couple of games i think they've got a couple of guys kind of still you know working that they might have to manage soby drimmick mm-hmm. tyrell harrison all, all kind of making their way back from injuries and harrison is another interesting one for me i think he you know he he's a potential most improved player candidate i think because we saw him take some a, a bit of a leap last year he had some annoy he had an enormous rebounding game at one point but it it wasn't the full leap you know it was the it was the inconsistent leap it was kind of you know we what we saw from Finn Delaney two two seasons ago where we were like yeah but if he'd only do that every game I think that was that was Tyrell Harrison last year but he had with greater opportunity Matt Hodgson going elsewhere they brought in a four-five in in Robert Franks. They can mm-hmm. play him as an undersized five, but he's primarily a stretch four. 
huge opportunity for Harrison to have a massive year. Yeah, he played 17 minutes a game, just to your point about his rebounding. So 17 minutes a night last year and, and was getting six rebounds. So six rebounds in 17 minutes, you know, you do the math, like put that per 36, the guy's getting you 14, 15 rebounds a game. And he was also getting a block. So, I mean, as you said, there was a bit of a crunch last year in minutes at the big man position, but but those sort of numbers, if that role does expand, and I, I assume that they'll play Patterson and and Franks uh, together and they'll probably play sort of smaller lineups at times but it does to me look like there's a spot there for Harrison and and those are the types of things uh, that are going to keep them involved they're going to have scorers on the floor but do they have someone that can protect the rim a little bit defend the paint uh, hit the glass the offensive glass could be a big factor as well so he does the things that I, I kind of agree with you there's a, there's a spot there for him Cairns is next um they're making their way down to Tassie from Bamaga. They're going <laughs> from the, there was an image of them uh, a couple of days ago at the northernmost point of Australia. And now they're making their way down to Tasmania. But ha- how cool was that, that trip? Nate Jawai taking the whole team for a preseason kind of team building trip. Um, and a trip that really is a big part of what they're trying to do as a, as a club in terms of their impact on the community ticked a whole bunch of boxes and it was i don't know just super cool and you can reading him um and and his quote seeing what he says on social media you could tell how much that meant to big nate jawai it's a pretty good way to get the get the fellas together before a season isn't it and then you're gonna 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 go on a trip down here and and play some basketball and again new coach they had a disappointing season last year i think i mean i know i certainly did i don't know if you did Liam, but i had them in the top four last year in the preseason it, it, it clearly it clearly didn't pan out that way but yeah it's a good way to start everyone likes uh, everyone loves nature why as well so that'll be good for them obviously they keep scott machado uh one of, one of the uh the guys they brought in steven zimmerman so we've got hey we've got some big guys come into the league this year mm-hmm. and and he's a he's a true seven footer seven three wingspan as well and and you know I, I i don't know i mean i have the kings again i certainly don't have them where i had them last year in terms of expectations i noted down in terms of again guys that are going to have to need to uh, are going to want to have a big season quite noy i mean he was a guy last year that he had an ankle injury the season before, just before he had the ankle uh, injury. It looked like he was starting to break out. I still remember he had that massive game against the Sydney Kings. And then last year, again, it just didn't work out. Efficiency was a problem. He was under 40% from the field, 32% from three. Sometimes shot selection was a little bit uh, of a question mark, but I think part of that was the fact that the offense always felt like it was a little bit disjointed. Guys were firing away. They've got some interesting pieces, but quite no, I would love to see him whether it's in the blitz, but long-term this season, sort of announce himself again, because clearly you spoke about the talent with uh, Mojave King, but uh, quite noisy guy that we've seen even in flashes last year where he looked like a guy that could potentially take over a game. It just hadn't, hasn't necessarily clicked yet. For sure. He was absolutely lights out in the preseason yeah. last year. Um, was killing. I was super high on him to have a big year. And then, you're right. Like, like basically everything there in Kansas just kind of didn't happen. Um, and for me, I feel like he needs to, the next step for Courtnoy is for him to kind of find consistent ways to impact the game positively for his team when the shot's not going down, because, you know, he's a scorer, 
and he's a confidence guy, but sometimes he has those cold nights and um, on those nights he needs, you know, like if he's still getting seven or eight boards and he's locked in defensively and he's getting some deflections and um, getting to the free throw line a little bit, I think that's the kind of next, next step for him. And, and Steven Zimmerman is a, is a good mention because he's, I think he's kind of the key for them. Um, you know, Cam Oliver was so amazing in, in mm-hmm. Cairns in year one. I felt like he kind of, he underwhelmed a little last year, but I just, he just, the effort didn't seem to be there on a night to night basis. And that was kind of cause for a lot of frustration in and in and around that group. Now, what does Steven Zimmerman bring? Um, I, I'm hoping, I'm interested to see what kind of shape he's in at the Blitz. Um, I, I, my understanding is maybe he hasn't kind of arrived in absolute peak Nick. So he's going to be in need to put in a bunch of work to, to get that happen. And, and I did hear a story about, um, <laughs> at practice, one of their pra- early practice sessions after he first arrived where Scott Machado threw a lob, um, to Zimmerman that he, he didn't even go for, it just sailed over his head out of bounds and uh, he announced to the team as they were running back after the turnover, he was like, yo, Cam's not here anymore. <laughs> it's not going to be like that. So um, he's going to be he's going to be super important for them. And then the other guy I'm ke- really keen to watch because I'm super high on him is Jim McCall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going I feel like he's kind of defensive player of the year favorite probably coming in very mm-hmm. kind of Justin Simon esque. They wanted, they, they identified him as the guy to bring what they didn't have in that regard last season, went out and got him. And when they signed him and I kind of touched base with a few people around the league, GMs and the like, they were like, um, and coaches, they were like, yo, he's good. We've had our eye on him. He, he's a, he's a dog. He just plays so hard. And um, I think the Titans fans are going to love to Jim McCall. Well, He's got, you know, I mean, if you, if you, and I'm not saying that you, you're trying to say that he's going to be exactly Justin Simon, but geez, I, I remember the, the first game last season, the season opener, I think Justin Simon had about three blocks and three steals in the first three minutes. So uh, he set a pretty high bar. We'll say that. He did. I mean, it was in Brisbane and yeah. he was knocking down the three ball as well. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. So the tight fans will be interesting. Let's talk about Illawarra. Couple of new imports. Um, Xavier Rathan Mays at the point guard position, Antonius Cleveland um, uh, in on the wing, um, and also Duop Reith. Big, big raps on Reith from Gorge <laughs> over the past week. Has the, has the potential to revolutionize the NBL, was the quote, saying, I think he can have a Jock Landale-style impact on the league and our team. Well, if he does that, well, they'll probably win the title. Well, I had revolutionized the NBL in capital letters here because I, I want to know what that actually means. So what do you think he means by that? I, I'm I, just... think, <laughs> I think he means the big that can, can shoot it, which, okay. you know, we've had before. Yeah. And we certainly had, <laughs> we had well and truly last season in, in Jock, who was one of the best players in the league week after week. And of course, grand final MVP, but, I think that's kind of where he's going. You know, a guy who can block shots down one end, stretch it out down the other. Um, if he has a big year, do up Reith. If he comes in and legit has a, 
a, a huge impact like Jock was able to have last season, they become very, very hard to beat. Tyler Harvey getting buckets, Justinian Jessup, second year in the league, Sam Froling taking another leap. And if you if a guy like Dwight Reith comes in and has becomes one of their best players on top of all of that, I think that takes them to a whole nother level. Yeah, you're right. And honestly, as, as much as we joke about it, Gorgian was the one that saw Landau and Reith uh, for the for the whole time in Tokyo and obviously he came away pretty impressed and it's always funny because Landau was a little bit the same even though I think he was a little bit more uh, well known than Reef. but these these guys go over to Europe and it's so hard to watch these games it's so hard to track what they're doing over there that you lose a bit of touch with it and um, I think it was the game in Nigeria the warm-up game against Nigeria I should say that that Reith played came in um was and all of a sudden he's, he's knocking down these threes and i'm like okay mm. this feels this feels like something that he's added over the last couple of years but um he's got good hands he was certainly in his limited minutes he was a threat roll into the basket so he'll be interesting um you mentioned justinian jessup and, th- and this is obviously huge for them to bring him back the question i had for you was in terms of his ability to shoot and everyone shoots these days. So everyone, you can, you can pass them the ball. They'll knock down a catch and shoot three. Like it's pretty rare that guys aren't able to do that, but watching Jessup last year, his ability to shoot uh, coming off screens with no dribbles uh, coming, uh, you know, off a dribble handoff, knocking it down uh, on the move, uh, fade away, leaning to the side, whatever it may be. I was trying to think who else in the league is able to knock them down. Now, Chris Golding obviously has been doing it forever. Who else is in that category? Because I had Jessup, I mean, the, the, some of the shots that he knocked down last year, forget the fact that he, he was a rookie. I mean, it was in a very, he was in a very small class of guys that can knock down those types of shots on the move. For sure. I, I'm hopeful. I think most NBL fans are hopeful that Ryan Brockoff is, is mm-hmm. that guy this year. Um, and, and talking to people at the Phoenix, they're excited about kind of what, how he's looking in preseason at this point, played well in their kind of closed door scrimmage against New Zealand the other day. Um, and I think RJ Hunter from Sydney is going to mm-hmm. be, yeah, okay. yep. he's going to be a lights out shooter in that regard as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully another big, you know, a, a, another step forward for Jessup this season. Um, I mentioned Sam Froling. They're the other guys I'm, I'm, I've got my eyes on at the blitz. Sam looking for another level from him. You know, he was so good last season, um, averaging around 12 and seven, but just playing such an important role for them, especially when Cam Besto kind of went down and a big load went onto Sam Froling's shoulders. You know, Tyler Harvey and Froling kind of for big stretches there, carrying, um, you know, a, a, a lot of what they needed to do. Um, I think he will have grown a heap from that experience and he's just another year bigger and stronger and older and wiser and hopefully much better. And then the other one is of course, Harry. Um, <laughs> it took a lot of the off season for him to get picked up. This will be his fifth team in the past six years. I'm going to say one year at SMU, one year at Marquette, two years at Adelaide, one year at Brisbane, and now here he is in Illawarra. Um, big year for Harry Froling in terms of just kind of where he's at and his future, and um, certainly I think his future in the league. So, I mean, he's in a great position in terms of playing for Gorge. You have to be in incredible shape to play minutes for Brian Gorgian, but 
I've just got my fingers crossed that he he we we turn up to the blitz. He looks great, and he can have you know something of a bounce back campaign. Yeah, and you know you already mentioned the guys. We've we've mentioned the guys, Reith, and obviously Sam as well. So he's probably the third big, maybe the fourth big. I know obviously Ogilvy's on the roster. I don't know where he fits in, but I agree with you. I mean, to go in there and play under Gorge. Um, He's going to be accountable, held accountable. Let's just say that. So, yeah, I mean, I think as you talked about, a guy that's bounced around a little bit, it feels like it's probably the best position for him to to fall in. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, Gorge, if anyone can do it, it's probably going to be Gorge, right? <laughs> what, um, let's go from one outstanding coach to another in Dean Vickerman, the defending champs. What, what, what are you intrigued about heading into the blitz for Melbourne United? Well, you talk about teams that have that have had major turnover, and we already mentioned McCarran and and what he was able to do for this team last year. But then you lose probably the most influential player in the league in, in Jock Landau, and and I, you know, we, he defensively he was a guy that would protect the rim and 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 stand in the paint, a massive body. But offensively, he was he did so much for that team. They could run mm. offense through him at the top. They could put him at the elbow, and he's a beautiful passer. He was always drawing those double teams. So honestly, last year it, it felt like Jock Landau was actually in cruise control for most of the season, and and he had so much left in the tank that he could do. But he was unselfish. He understood. And then in the postseason we saw. So now. I look at the roster and I say, okay, well, you lose Jock Landau, you lose Mitch McCarron. Obviously, Dalla Vadova might be the most, he, he uh, might draw the most intrigue across the league in terms of fans of they want to see Dalla obviously playing in Australia. But I am looking at the big, the big men here. And one guy that I had circled, and I'm probably surprised that I, I had this guy circled and I wouldn't have picked it, I would have had it halfway through last season was Mason Peatling. And the reason, the reason hmm. why is because last year, as United lost a few games through the middle of the season. There was one game in particular where Peatlin was playing big minutes. I think he might have even started the game. And United, I think, had lost three or four in a row at the time. And, and Peatlin was, was kind of just struggling. And he just looked like he was rushing things. There was a few turnovers. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I know what Vickerman's doing. He's trying to uh, spread the rotation, rest guys. He's given Peatlin a, a good opportunity here. But he didn't really look like he was ready. But, you know, this is why Vickerman is a coach. And I'm just on this podcast with you, Liam. He's <laughs> He stuck with Peatlin throughout the season. And then I remember watching him in the postseason. And all of a sudden, he was his two best games, in my opinion, were the game that they actually lost against Southeast Melbourne, which I think is a good sign. The fact that he was important in that game. He was six for eight from the free throw line. So getting to the free throw line was key. And then in the, the championship closeout game as well, he had double digit scoring. And he just looked like a different player. And it, it was, I, I thought back to that night where I thought that maybe he shouldn't have been playing. And then all of a sudden in the postseason, he looked like a genuine rotation guy. I think that there's going to be opportunity there. I think he's going to get potentially more minutes than he got last season. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by Mason Peatling. Such, such an awesome signing by, yeah. well, it was Vince Cravalli at the time, Dean Vickham and Melbourne United. To, that, he was a DP last year. Yeah, yeah. You talk about all that kind of input pact he was having, especially in the postseason. And when Jack White went down, how important he was on a championship team. Um, great call. Excited for him taking, a, taking another leap this year. And you're right, the bigs is kind of the big question, right? How do they replace Jock Landau? Joe Luala Chul, mm-hmm. best six man last year. He's going to get a huge opportunity to kind of expand his role. No doubt they'll roll him out as the starting starting five. And um, that's pretty cool because 
you know, I think he would have, after what he did last season, coming off the bench, he would have been looking for that kind of opportunity, whether it was back with the same same team or elsewhere around the league. So for them to put the faith in him and say, you know what, we're not going to bring in an import center. We're actually going to bring in a next star who will come in behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is pretty cool. So fascinated to see how he grabs that kind of opportunity and, and how Huck Porty goes as well will be big between the two of them. You know, he, Will he come in? I mean, it's interesting. We did those kind of super early predictions a little while ago. Um, and if we did them over again, there was that one question, which was, who do you think will be the most impactful next star? Mm-hmm. I said Nikita Mikhailovsky at the time. I would change that to Ariel Huckporty at this point right now. I haven't still haven't seen any games, but just the more I thought about it, Peter Hawley put Huckporty down. And uh, if, if he, He's getting a lot of opportunity as the backup five, but can he come out and have the kind of impact where Dean Vickerman feels comfortable, especially at the defensive end, playing Luala Chul and Huck Porty together? Um, that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. Now, of course, Dally, Vico told me recently he's kind of, um, they're trying to tap into St. Mary's Dally. <laughs> get a little bit more aggressive at the offensive end. So will we see a little bit of that at the blitz? And and the other one to mention is Brad Newley, who um, I saw recently. Um, he joined a, a, a few of us from the broadcast team for lunch and um, he's in terrific shape. Terrific shape, shape. Like looks like the Brad Newley of about three or four years ago. So um that's going to be that's going to be interesting as well. Can he come and kind of uh, you know bring something off the bench for them on the wing? That slashing kind of athletic, quick guy in transition that that he's been over the course of his career, and what was kind of tailing a lot away a little bit over the last couple of seasons. So awesome to see him in in great shape, and I think everyone will be um, get a bit of a taste of that when they step out on on the opening night of the blitz. Yeah. Well, they've lost scoring, haven't they? And that's, that's why they'd be trying to tap into that, that Dully, uh, I guess really, really early days Dully where he was a primary scorer. Cause they're going to need him to score. So I, I'm, this is not, this is nothing new. This is nothing revolutionary, but we know with Dully, the three point shot is going to be critical. He struggled with it the last couple of seasons, but they're going to need him to score because the other guy we haven't even mentioned, obviously they lost Scotty Hobson as well. So this is what they had last year when they had Joe coming off the bench and Scotty Hobson. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, and this is, this is why I'm interested with Joe because you talk about Huck Porty and, and does he end up, I mean, this is a big call. He's obviously such a young guy, but Joe was so suited to that role off the bench last year. It allowed him to thrive. They obviously had such a high powered offense. He came in and it was just the human heat check. He's just like, I'm going to come in. I'm going to get up six shots in, in, in five minutes and, and we'll see when he put up, put up points, put up rebounds. And, uh, and, and look, so I don't know. I mean, I, I actually don't really know what to expect about Melbourne, which is weird because we always have them um, up near, up near the top of, of our predictions or certainly in the playoffs, but just so much turnover. And even someone like McDaniel, who was, kind of had that sort of defensive tandem with, with Shay Ely last year. And they mm-hmm. had so many important jobs and now he's gone as well. So just, a, just a completely different roster. It's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they, what they look like in the blitz and, and what rotations they have, what guys they throw out there. Um, one of the teams to watch, I think. 
We talk about interesting rosters. The Breakers have another interesting roster. I mean, we were high on their roster last year, and obviously, they're you know what everything that they went through and the, just the circumstances got well and truly got got the better of them. They end up second last, but man, have they retooled and. It's a really interesting mix. Yanni Wetzel was a really great pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring in Peyton Seaver at the point. Like the, the backcourt is loaded with, with ball handlers and secondary ball handlers and playmakers in Seaver and Will McDowell Wide and Jeremiah Martin. And then they've got these two young Frenchmen and Usman Diang and Hugo Besson. It's it's a really interesting roster they're going to have again their first dozen or so games on the road in australia before they head back to new zealand um i don't know they're they're another wild card for me because you look at the roster and it has such a high ceiling but can all those pieces come together can can the combination of trying to win but also develop these these kind of NBA prospects in Dieng and Besson, can that happen concurrently? Can they overcome the adversity of, of starting the season, uh, you know, the whole first couple of months of the season on the road? Um, so many question marks hanging over that team heading into, into the blitz. Yeah, it's got to be tough <laughs> to, to go through last year. They finally got those few games back at home towards the back end of the season. And now they start this year on the road again. So um, they're one of the teams that I, I don't know, man. Typically, I wouldn't look at the Blitz and say, okay, well, this team needs to win or these results matter. But I don't know. Maybe this is one of the teams that probably want to get off to a good start and see if they can pick up some wins. I think it's interesting with Besson and, and Diang just because of the, the RJ Hampton factor. And and going back a couple of seasons ago when uh, Dan Shamir and, and they had Hampton and, and obviously... Uh, LaMelo Ball was playing and LaMelo Ball kind of had free reign, right? He was doing whatever he wanted with the offense. He was jacking up these shots from half court and everyone <laughs> loved it. It was highly entertaining stuff. And then you'd go and watch RJ Hampton play with New Zealand and it was completely different. He was running. He was actually had to run an offense. And, and if, he, if he didn't defend or if he made mistakes, he was going to sit on the bench. And I remember a few times asking Dan Shamir about that. And he was like, well, it was a professional basketball. This is, this is a professional basketball team. We're teaching this guy how to play while keeping in mind that that he's got he's got bigger goals that he hopefully wants to achieve. So I'm I'm curious to see how these two guys are managed this year by Dan Shamir. Did did maybe he learn also from having a guy in that type of situation? So uh, those guys are interesting. But Will McDowell White last year obviously came to the team late and and you mentioned him already. But it was very obvious from his first game or right from when he uh, he played last year, that Shamir loved him. He, he would not stop talking about him after the games, the way he was running the offense, trying to find confidence in that three-point shot. It wasn't always there. It was a little bit erratic. But I wonder, uh, Will McDowell-White, now that he's got a training camp with this team, obviously was happy there to come back to this team and, and hopefully build to, to whatever he's trying to achieve long-term. So I'm curious to see Will McDowell-White actually having been with this team for a while and what he can bring. For sure. That'll be interesting. Their um, their closed door workout scrimmage they had against Southeast Melbourne. Will McDowell White's coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Hugo Best on starting in the in the backcourt alongside Peyton Seaver. Um, so and Jeremiah Martin also coming off the bench. Um, that's firepower in the backcourt. Uh, on the second unit, I think the thing with certainly with Dieng, I think 
people need to be patient with yeah, Osman yeah. Diang. You know, huge raps on him coming into the season. Projected kind of top 20 pick for next season. Um, but he's young and raw and um, he's not coming in from a level of play and competition that some of these other next stars are coming in from Europe, you know, that, that where, where best, you know, with what best was doing in, in the, the second division in France and what um, Mikhailovsky was doing in, in the VTB United league in Russia. Like um, it wasn't that way for the oodles of talent, but I think it's, it's going to take a while. I'm thinking, you know, more so kind of the second half, of the season lamella you talk about lamella he came in and you remember the the um just uh, coming out party he had in his <laughs> first game at the blitz down in tassie against perth against damien martin he has a near triple double the hawks win in overtime and jonathan gavoni vaults him to what was it two to, to, to the projected second pick from kind of an early second round or a late first rounder, I think it was at that point. I don't, that's not going to happen with Usman Diang. It's yeah. going to take a little while. He's going to get more and more opportunities, I think, as the season progresses. And it's more kind of like, what is he getting done in the second half of the year, I think, is, is the thing to watch out for with him. No, it's a good call. And, and actually, it was, a, it was good that you pointed out uh, Yanni Wetzel as well, because... Obviously, we're going to get to Southeast Melbourne in a little bit here, which which I think is an absolutely stacked roster. But, geez, he was he was important last year with, with Ben Moore as well. And and even though it was his first season in the league and he probably wanted to play for New Zealand, now he gets to go play for New Zealand now. But to leave that situation from a team in Southeast Melbourne that I, I think we both think is going to be a title contender. I mean, that is a loss for Southeast Melbourne, but for New Zealand, it's massive. I mean, he's talented offensively uh, around the basket, obviously can can score in a variety of ways. And and he's a massive body defensively. I mean, he was key to that team that, that made the playoffs as a first-year player. You think that he's probably only going to improve. For sure. Um, the Wildcats. They're in an interesting position themselves. They're going to be only, they're only just going to be meeting the head coach. Scott Morrison in Tassie um, after, you know, he's going to kind of finish off his, uh, I think he's maybe a day or two out. It's been fun watching, following along on social media as he counts down the days to, to when he gets out. So they're going to meet him, get to Tassie, no Blanchfield. He's still kind of dealing with the, the knee um, issue that he had surgery on recently. I think Corey Sherville may or may not play. He broke his fifth, metatarsal um and so he's still sort of coming back from that but a really interesting roster that 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 danny mills and troy georgiou and scott morrison have put together because it's not your usual typical kind of big strong brutish perth wildcats roster it's a little bit more weighted to the perimeter to the to the backcourt and to the wings and and to versatility you know they've brought in guys like michael frazier and and um, vic law who can slide up and down positions guard multiple positions um play score from the perimeter and but can also make plays close to the basket so and then a guy like luke travis you talk about versatility as well so i'm i'm interested to see how that is all looking in terms of coming together 
when they step out because it's a it's a very it's going to be a different looking Wildcats sort of lineup to what we're used to seeing. Yeah, where's the where's the Nick K? Where's the John Mooney? Where's the typical Bryce Cotton partner? That, I mean, obviously Vic Law is there, but we've seen what he can do. He's a little bit of a different player, but obviously that's going to be a pretty exciting tandem when that gets going. I think everyone's obviously looking forward to seeing Bryce Cotton. He he's going to be motivated. He's going to be motivated. He was watching the grand final series last year from the sideline, so you know he's going to be pretty fired up. But I noted down Luke Travers uh, last year, mm-hmm. um, obviously burst into the scene, burst onto the scene, and. Again, it's it's not if you look at the numbers last year and, and what he was able to do, nothing jumps off the page. But watching the games again uh, later on in the season, he's, he was starting to take over not games, not even full quarters, but just like sections of a quarter, five minutes, whether it was defensive play where he gets a, a, a strip and a steal or a block and he's able to take the ball the full length of the court. And it's not really surprising that he's six six. And just just a massive guard because when you think about the guys that we've seen that have had success, the young guys that have had success, obviously Giddy, obviously Ball, this is just the size of your ball handler at at the moment. They're they're six six or bigger. Never would have been the case five years ago, six years ago. I was trying to think today who was actually the first guy, not the first guy in the NBA, but when this really became the absolute norm. And the only guy I could think of was was Michael Carter Williams when he came in. And it was just like crazy that they had this guy that was like six 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 seven that was out there playing point guard. Now it's just a norm. Every single team's got that. And I think it's pretty exciting and, and pretty damn cool that we're starting to see that translate to the NBL as well. And they're all young guys and they're all coming in as teenagers or they're 20 years old and they're having an impact. So Travis... Uh, I believe uh, Liam, uh, we we picked him for for rookie of the year. Did he? He's, he's he's eligible, which I think people were a little bit thrown off for. If yeah, I, he, if I yeah, he's right. eligible. First year as a fully contracted player, so you, right. you can't win rookie of the year as a DP. Yeah, because well, historically, because DPs don't really get don't a play. lot of run. <laughs> um, Played forty games got, last year. Yeah, I mean, that got completely thrown out the window last season with with uh, Liafa and Travers and Peatling and mm-hmm. these kind of guys. Um, but that's the rule. First year as a contract to play, and as um, my producer Guy Neville pointed out recently, looks kind of jacked mm-hmm. in some some images coming out of Perth in recent times as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like when he, when he steps out big year for him, no doubt. You talk about big guards, guys that can handle it. Shades of um, Glenn Savile. Hmm. I feel in Luke Travers, a bit, a little bit of Sam McKinnon, a little bit of young Sam McKinnon, young Glenn Savile. And, and um, yeah, I mean, as you've, you would have seen the reports from Lockie Reed and the, the comments from his agent, Daniel Moldovan during the week. I mean, he's, He's got big time NBA aspirations, feels overlooked by, you know, the, the, the draft analysts and, and you mentioned Sam Bassini, Jonathan Gavoni, these kind of guys right now, not putting him on their big boards and in their top 100s as a guy set to be drafted next year. And he's coming out with a point to prove um, to build on last year and kind of vault up those boards. Yeah, so he should. I mean, you know, we, we spoke uh, a little bit earlier, obviously, about Mojave King, who's still on those. And he's been, you know, in, in all those conversations for, for multiple years now. But but Travis, he did it. He had a better season than Mojave King last year. So he's, he's got he's got every reason to feel that way. He was on a really good team. Uh, wasn't gifted minutes. I mean, he had to break his own way into the rotation and did that. Ended up, as I said, he played 40 games, 12 minutes, 12 minutes a night. So... 
I'm excited to see because if, if he does take another another step or another leap, then it's just another guy for this Perth team. And, you know, I made the mistake last year, Liam. I, I didn't have him in the top four. I was honestly just too scared to do it this year. So I've got him in there. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's, let's talk about Southeast Melbourne. You, you, you're high on them. I'm high on them. Um, great continuity coming from last season into this year. A whole bunch of guys returning. Um, you know, uh, uh, really 20 minutes away from a grand final appearance in their second year of existence. So th- their arrow is pointed, is pointed up. No Cam Glidden in the blitz, still kind of working his way back from, from off-season hip surgery. But a lot of kind of interesting elements to watch, um, led by, of course, Joe Chi, who... <laughs> By all accounts, was really impressed. They whacked New Zealand in that closed door scrimmage by twenty or so the other day, and 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 by all accounts, he was good, having the kind of impact that, um, you know, I know you expect him to have in terms of protecting the rim, finishing strong around the bucket. Um, so I'm really interested to see a bit more of him over the course of the next couple of weeks. He's gonna, I think, he might not play the whole blitz he's gonna at some point he's gonna head back to china to to play for the national team little fever window coming up and then back here for the start of the season but their first couple of games for sure um i'm gonna be keeping a close eye on him well i did see in his uh i don't know whether it was a social media post or the introductory press conference but he mentioned the fact that he didn't think hotels were built for for people his size and he's definitely right so i don't know whether he has to do that again when he comes back or what the plan will be but uh you know he's a he's a massive man he's got to look after that body but i had ryan broke off put down here and and you mentioned it already in this podcast the fact that Southeast Melbourne are not hiding the fact that they think that he's ready to go and he's going to have a big season. I'm a little bit surprised by that because I, I think last year, probably the mistake, and, and I certainly made the mistake, is that we probably just underestimated the fact that he hadn't played for so long and he's trying to fit into a team in the middle of the season. And I think the expectations are probably a little bit unfair. And that's before you even think about the fact that he had multiple injuries, including that ridiculous eye injury that was just you know bad luck pure bad luck as well so nothing went right for him but the fact again that he's been settled in melbourne for a fair time here and he spoke about it you know time with family and and everything else that that he was working through if he is the guy that is close to what we've seen playing for the boomers before and in major tournaments playing overseas obviously in limited time with the nba and you already spoke about his ability to shoot on the move, which is a which is a rare skill, then this team already that I think is already stacked when you include obviously Xavier Munford comes in, he replaces Kiefer Sykes, Joe Chi, you already spoke about, and the fact that they just they they kept, you know, obviously Mitch Creek is still there, Glidden's still there as well. If Brokoff is is anywhere close to where they think he can be, mm-hmm. and, and then I see no reason to believe that this Phoenix team with good health isn't in, in the top two in the league because the roster is absolutely stacked. No doubt championship contenders, hundred percent right from the opening tip. And yeah. you, you, that's interesting what you talk there about, about Brokoff because just going a little deeper, I'm, I'm interested to see how much more they're running for him. Mm-hmm. 
You know, the, he was very much kind of standing and watching a lot last season because, of course, he came in mid-season. They didn't have a lot of sets in place for a guy like him. Yeah. Um, they had a couple that they'd run for Cam Glidden and they would utilize those for him as well. But it wasn't just kind of like a part of their makeup at the offensive end that that he was, you know, that they had plenty to go to um, to get him open looks. Now, they've had a bunch of time now to, to kind of put that in place. I'm interested to see at the Blitz whether that, that you know, there you can see a concerted effort to do that um, and, you know, make him a bit more of a focus at the offensive end. And then the other guy I think is going to be interesting for them in the preseason in particular is Isaiah Liafa, hmm. who, who, who kind of turned heads last season as a DP when he got some extra run and, and forced his way into the rotation. And he looks in really good nick. Um, and with Cam Glidden missing games, um, Kyle Adnam was was the guy in the preseason for them in the backcourt last year who impressed. I think that's going to be Isaiah Liafa this time around. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt, and not that Adnam was, was bad in the second half of the season, but he certainly took over in stretches earlier in the season when Sykes was out with that ankle injury. And then in the back end of the year was when Liafa really came into his own. One thing that, before we move on from Southeast Melbourne, one thing that I, I found interesting last year and that's unique about Southeast Melbourne is when you talk about how they run sets or how they can find guys and if they've got two legitimate snipers with Glidden and broke off on the floor at the same time, but then they'll have obviously Xavier Munford and then Mitch Creek makes it interesting because when you're trying to run sets for guys and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, who's who's getting the touches here? Who's got, who's got the ball in their hands? When you've got so many options, I mean, it's a good problem to have. But one of the things that I... I was sort of keeping an eye on last year with Sykes and Creek is that, you know, arguably Creek is, is at his best when he's bringing the ball up the floor, he can get downhill and, and he can just be in full on attack mode, which sometimes last year, it felt like he was kind of a little bit lost as well. And, and no one, no one really knew because they had so many guys. So having Creek that they obviously start at the four, but as a guy that generally uh, genuinely can bring the ball up the floor and run offense, it, it it's, it's, Again, it's a good problem to have, but it, it does make things a little bit complicated when you've got so many versatile guys in the lineup. Um, I don't think Simon Mitchell will be complaining about that at all, but it's just interesting to watch how they use Creek. And obviously the fact that he's improved his three-point shooting over the last couple of years helps that because he can be a, a legitimate guy that can be a catch-and-shoot uh, option as well. For sure, for sure. And um, yeah, he obviously, he you, know, you think about him for Adelaide Creek, just yeah. how how unstoppable he was in the open floor, you know, just like an absolute freight train. And, mm. and we're seeing, we're seeing more and more of that from Findelaney for the mm. breakers in that kind of Mitch Creek type of mold. Um, but you're right. I mean, when he's in that kind of mindset and, you know, they, they kind of, you know, he can rip it off the, off the defensive glass and attack. And then the other place he's so dangerous is, you know, off those short rolls, you know, because he's a terrific, reader of the defense he's a great passer um so i think that's going to be interesting to watch because that that did work well with Kiefer sykes they were at their best when it was Kiefer sykes mitch creeks pick and rolls um a little bit of sprinkling yanni wetzel there as well but have him roaming the baseline creek short roll make a read either get to the free throw line get to the rim kick it out to a shooter or find yanni under the bucket um and that's going to that's gonna be Joe Chi this year. Um, so it'll be more kind of lobbing it up. 
um, him all over the rim. I think, I mean, they're just, they're very dangerous at the offensive end. Can they take another leap defensively, which is the thing I think that has the potential to put them over the top. Uh, let's talk about the Kings. Uh, they missed the playoffs last year. The bookies have them favorites coming in to the preseason, which I think is interesting. Um, lots of really exciting signings. You know, you talk about the import duo of Jalen Adams and RJ Hunter, brand new head coach in Chase Buford, McCure Maker as a next star. Um, this is a team loaded with talent. I'm fascinated to see how it comes together because, um, you know, I think that's going to be the key for them kind of tapping into what is a really high ceiling, I think, for this team this season. So I remember I spoke to Chase Buford a couple of months ago, but you spoke to him very recently. And I was, I was watching that conversation because I was interested. I was interested to know, but you know, first of all, how, how he's, he's found now that he's been on the ground in Australia, working with these guys. Because if I look at the numbers from the last full season, he was able to coach. And it feels like a long time ago now when he was with the herd, it was very obvious what the team was trying to do offensively. So they were second in the G league in pace uh, third in three-point attempts. Now, that makes sense if you watch the Wisconsin Herd and the talent they had on that team back then, and then you compare it to obviously the team they're affiliated with Milwaukee. It was very similar. But yeah, the NBL is a little bit different to the G League. And speaking with Chase, he thought that the G League was a little bit uh, faster pace. And, and I think, but, but I'm not 100% convinced. I, I don't know whether this is the, the old... Uh, thought about the NBL that's physical, that it's half court. I think we've seen, as we're seeing uh, better quality imports come out here, obviously young talent that we've spoke about through this podcast, the NBL is pretty up and down and they're letting it fly from three. And I think that Sydney are going to have the talent to do that. Not to mention the fact that Jalen Adams, he obviously has a really, really good relationship with um, from that Wisconsin team. So I'm expecting Sydney to be pretty good, first of all, but I think they're going to be one of the more entertaining teams in the league because I mm. think they're going to play up-tempo. I think they're going to let it fly. Mm-hmm. They've got a bunch of versatile guys. I think they're going to try and score a bunch. Uh, and that's, that's what people want to see. They want to, they want to be seeing these <laughs> high-scoring games, shooting threes. Uh, I, I'm excited to watch the Kings. For sure. For sure. And it's interesting. Like I think you're, you're bang on. He, there's, you listen to him talk read between the lines. I think it's obvious he's coming in with a, a five out, pull the bigs out of the lane, positionless basketball kind of mentality, um, grab it and go pace and space. And, and as you say, let it fly. And, you know, Jalen Adams is going to be the head of that snake, just such a dangerous offensive weapon can, can, you know, just like slice you apart in the pick and roll. Um, and you know, can, can punish the D for slipping under and you'll knock it down from long range has a nice pull-up game floater can get to the rim, draw fouls. He's going to be such a tough guard. Um, but what's interesting is for him is like, this is his first time playing overseas. Mm-hmm. So how well does that kind of game that he's been playing at a high level translate? Um, in, in the FIBA style where the floor is a little bit more compact there, you do see a little bit more extra help D and some more bodies as you come, come out of those actions. So that that's going to be interesting for me. Oh, I've heard maybe there's a little bit of an injury cloud hovering over Geordie Hunter coming into the blitz. Um, and McCoy maker maybe has, 
I'm told tweaked tweaked his ankle recently. So they're going to have to kind of move their pieces around there in the front court. Um, And then the other guy for me, I'm keen to see is Angus Glover, who I like everyone else who's been watching the NBL for a period of time, just have my fingers crossed for a healthy season for him because um, this is a kid just hasn't, has had an incredibly tough run with injuries, but he's loaded with talent. Great kid. Um, And if he can, you know, has a really high work ethic and if he can stay healthy, I think that has the potential to have, you know, a bit of an X factor kind of impact for this team over the course of the season. Well, last year health was obviously an issue for those guys as, as well for Sydney as well. And if you talk about someone that probably wants to get a good run at it, Xavier Cooks is right there. And it's interesting because you mentioned Geordie Hunter, if he's got some injury concerns coming into the blitz, but this was one of the notes I had down for the Sydney Kings. A lot of big guys, a lot of big guys that are going to be battling for minutes. So Cooks, obviously Darrell Martin's there. Hunter, you already mentioned. Maker, you mentioned as well. So, you know, depending on, on health and who's actually out on the floor, we'll see. But I would imagine that it's been pretty competitive for these guys that, that all want to play because a lot of those guys have got, have got goals that they want to, they want to get to a, a certain level and, and achieve things as, so as good as this Sydney Kings team is going to be. I think the big man battle might be one to, uh, to keep an eye on. Well, this is where I think that having the depth in a front court like that kind of comes to fruition. You know, if you're you're playing regular season games and Jordy Hunter can't go or, mm-hmm. you know, McCure Maker's a little bit banged up, you're, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got other bodies. Um, that's something like, for instance, with Perth, I'm a little maybe concerned about. Like, I don't, do they, do they, they don't, I don't feel like they have that depth in the front court. We spoke about it that, that certainly that they've had previously, but you know, if Matt Hodgson can't go for a game or two, Majuk Majuk comes in as the starting five, like who, who's behind him in Perth? Um, you know, they've recently signed a DP Oliver Hayes Brown. I mean, is he going to be ready to play a role like in those sorts of circumstances? Vic Law, Jesse Wagstaff, like those guys as undersized fives we've, we saw a tiny little bit of that from, from Vic law last season. And we haven't seen much of that from Jesse over the journey, but whereas the Kings, like they're not going to have any issues in the front court as, as the season <laughs> progresses and guys get a little banged up. They've just got heaps of talented bodies that they could rotate through those spots. Yeah. And, and they might need them. I mean, we've, we've seen like the NBL season, obviously is a grind as well. And, and as I mentioned, the Kings were one of those teams that got caught out uh, last year, but Maker Maker will be interesting. Makua Maker, I mean, uh, we saw obviously he had a, a little bit of an impact there in in, in summer league play. But interesting decision to come back to a, to Australia. Uh, hasn't been back here for a while now. Gets to play in the NBL. Just another guy that's uh, trying to trying to boost those stock. It feels like almost every team has one of these players that is is going to be intriguing to watch and see where that goes throughout the year. But uh, Maker Maker is going to be interesting. I'm excited to see him play. I think. Again, the name draws a lot of intrigue. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've seen what Don's been able to do, but I think people are pretty excited about seeing what McCure Maker can do and whether he can actually uh, make a, uh, a spot in the rotation as a, as a next star. It's obviously not going to be guaranteed on a team that, that has championship aspirations, but I would have to imagine we've seen it in the last couple of seasons. If he does, if he does crack this rotation on a team that's trying to contend for a title, given... The way people look at the NBL now, I would say that would be, probably be pretty good for his stock. For sure. Uh, let's 
let's use the next star as the segue to get into our final team, the, the Jack Jumpers. I mean, I think, you know, really, it's everything about the Jack Jumpers that people are excited or interested to see when they step out on the floor at the Blitz. But um, Nikita Mikhailovsky, I mentioned him earlier, I think comes in with great pedigree. Two-time young player of the year in the VTB. I mean, that's a high standard league and he's been doing good work there. Um, I've been told he's maybe been having a bit of a difficult time kind of transitioning to his new environment. Um, so, you know, on, on maybe on and off the court. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Scott Roth uses him and plays him in the blitz to get a bit of a, a feel for that. But that's a guy I'm, I'm fascinated to watch over the course of the season, you know, like he's, there's going to be some language barriers. It's his first time kind of playing away from home after playing in Russia up until now. But, um, a guy I think is super talented. And if he can overcome those types of things can have a really good impact for them this season. Yeah. Tazzy, uh, a little bit removed from Russia. I, I think, I think we could, we can all say that. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully it works out. I mean, he's so young. I couldn't imagine it, honestly, like moving to another country, having the language barrier and then trying mm-hmm. to, trying to achieve your goal. So hopefully that works out for him. I mean, obviously if you talk about a guy that, things probably didn't end the way that he wanted them to last year. And and I don't necessarily think it was his fault, but, but Will Magne, I mean, mm. he went to Perth last year and it's kind of similar to, to Brockoff in the way that people thought that this was going to be a signing that was going to tilt the scales of the, of the, the title race and um, for different reasons, but it, it didn't quite work out for him in Perth in terms of, he wasn't able to get to the level that we saw him in previous years in the NBL, but on, on this Tassie team, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be in a good spot to get plenty of touches mm-hmm. to, to really get back to the level that we saw. And again, for him, um, you know, become again, one of the premier big men in the league, because this, this Tassie roster is interesting. They've obviously got a, a bunch of, of veterans that we know well uh, from the league. I already mentioned Sam McDaniel that we saw with United last year. Um, Jack Nevay is obviously there. There's there's a bunch of guys, Clint Steidel, so guys that we know really well. Did you see the the comments the other day though? A guy that perhaps we don't know so well yet, Josh McGetty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're laughing. Majet. Yeah, sorry. So. Come on, Scott Roth. <laughs> just cool. Speaking of jet, just cool your jets. So I'm wondering what he means. <laughs> So well, he so- may, he's talking about the, the 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 full quote from the the <laughs> you know talking to the media there. He kind of clarified he's talking about like in terms of his passing game, but you know you're talking about Steve Nash. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's any kind of a qualification. Just saying, well, I'm just talking about his passing game because Nash Curry, these are big names to be throwing around. So when he said that there's there's things that he's seen him do that those guys haven't, and this is this was going to be what I was going to say because I was thinking about uh, everyone remembers Corey McGetty, who by the way, if you watched him play in the NBA going back in the day, no one got to the free throw line like this man. He just mm-hmm. lived at the free throw line. So I was wondering if it was something like that, something obscure. But as far as the passing game goes, uh, we'll see. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure how he feels about that having having that quote. But anyway, 
I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing it. That's for sure. He's he's high on on Majette and Josh Adams. What they've been <laughs> doing in the preseason. He, um, I'm also hearing that uh, Matt Kenyon has been impressing um, in preseason training for the Jack Jumpers, which is interesting. And you talk about Will Magne. Um, he's he eventually had that ankle surgery. Yeah, that we thought he was going to have in the States and prevent him from coming to the NBL. Well, he decided not to have that happen, came and played for the, for the Wildcats and was kind of finding it a bit difficult. So during the off season, had the surgery, had the bone spurs kind of um, sorted out. And he's, my understanding is he's kind of on schedule, but sort of still working his way back from all of that. So might, might play maybe their last couple of games in the blitz, but I don't think we'll see him in there their first one or two, which opens up kind of opportunity for some other guys to, you know, maybe a guy like Jock Perry to come out and get some extended run and we can get a bit of a good look at. Yeah. And above all else, I mean, we've seen basketball down in Tassie before at the blitz, obviously you mentioned a couple of instances before, but uh, looking ahead, I am fired up for the, for the season opener. I, you know, mm-hmm. every time you speak, every time you speak to someone down there and that's why, you know, I laugh about it a bit. Scott Roth that he says that, but I mean, people are fired up. I got friends that live in Tassie. They can't wait for the season opener already. So I think it's going to be pretty fun down there. I'm going to try and get down there at some point uh, and, and, and soak it all up. So Look, I, I don't know how competitive they're going to be because honestly, there's a lot of guys in this roster that, that we're going to have to see. We don't we don't know a lot about at this point, but the fact that they're down there, uh, I think is exciting nonetheless. For sure. It's going to be tough. It's, going to be, it's always tough for an expansion team. Phoenix won their first bunch of games at home and then hit a wall, lost, mm-hmm. lost a bunch, finished second bottom. I think yeah, it's going to be tough for the Jack Jumpers, but it's exciting, as you say, to have them in the league. And uh, that opening game has been flipped it's going to be brisbane mm-hmm. now i think it was maybe adelaide i think to begin with but um but either way i think it's a, yeah it's going to be fun it's going to be pumping down there that the stadium's been my state bank arena has been all redone and um they're ready to get they're ready to get going and we're going to get our first taste of them over the course of the weekend it's gonna be good a couple of days away uh we've obviously gone through a few things that we're looking forward to but i'm sure that we've missed a, a lot as well i reckon if we had this conversation in a week's time we'd, we'd have a whole uh, bunch of things that, that we've missed along the way or things that stand out but uh that's what's fun about it like i said at the start last year we were fortunate enough to get to, to a couple of games but this year feels a little bit different it feels like we're about to about to walk into a season that feels a little bit more normal with fans uh, getting a little bit closer to the action so it's exciting it's going to be good Awesome, man. This has been good. Um, we're not going to miss you this season. As I said, you can read you on ESPN, um, Locked on Bucks, if you're following over the course of the NBA season, but also Ball in the Real World, which where I'm sure you're going to be covering a whole bunch of, of NBL action over the course of the season. And I think by the sounds of things, we're going to be seeing and, and hearing a lot, lot more of you over the course of this coming season. I hope so. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, man. But it's always good to catch up with you. I really appreciate it. Cool, man. Great to chat. We'll speak soon.